What up, world? It's your boy, the Puerto Rican powerhouse, the Mike for Hire, the podcast mercenary, the Puerto Rican kaiju himself, Christian Joel Ramos, back at it again with a brand new review. And today we're going to discuss the new Disney Plus Star Wars series titled The Book of Boba Fett. Now, The Book of Boba Fett stars Tamara Morrison, the guy that played Jango Fett back in the prequels, but obviously because he, Boba Fett's the, the son of Jango Fett and he's his clone, they can use the same actor, which is awesome because I like to see tomorrow Morrison in more films. He's a really, really good actor and he actually stayed in amazing shape all these years. So, you know, kudos to the man for staying looking the part, you know? So, this is a tale of Boba Fett, the Boba Fett from the original trilogy back when he died in Return of the Jedi. Uh, if you've obviously seen that movie, spoiler, if you didn't, because it's all on Disney+, Plus, so you can watch the whole thing, he gets thrown into the Starlight Pit by accident and dies. A very, like, almost ironic death that's kind of, like, embarrassing because the buildup in the original trilogy was, who is this masked man? He has such a cool uniform and a great-looking helmet that, like, he just stands out as mysterious, but he wasn't meant to be a leading character, and because the fans loved the Boba Fett look and action figures and toys and all that... They brought back uh, his father, Jango Fett, into the prequel saga because, like, they, wait a minute, they like the design of this character so much, why don't we just create lore? And that's when they created the whole Mandalorian lore in back of the prequels, the, you know, episodes one, two, three that are predate the now sequel. <laughs> it's kind of hard because now the sequels are technically the newer films that came out a couple years ago that had hit or miss, whatever you think of them, to have their own... Um, legacy that are inset in quote-unquote modern time so the original films are not considered i mean they're not prequels they're, not, they're the originals let's keep it at that they're in the middle they're not the future they're not they're technically the past but so are the prequels i'm sorry guys this is getting confusing anyways episodes one two three right this series just like the mandalorian takes place in that same post return of the jedi phase of of the world of, that they're going through it's like what happens after the empire is taken out the rebels won and the galactic empire is back together again what this is the fallout of that and going into the next era before you reach snoke and before you reach the the uh the villains of the next saga so this is a good window between 30 plus years or so where or even more because the episode's Sorry, guys, I have to do this. 789 are definitely when Luke, Han, and Leia are in their elder stage of life. So we're talking about they went from their early 20s to 70s. So 50 plus years have passed by. So so it's 50 years before that, but definitely like a couple years after episode three. So that's the window of time we're working with with this series and The Mandalorian. And who knows what other series take place in this window of time, but it gives us 50 years to work with. So plenty of time and space for logic and history and stuff to work in and fills in a lot of holes, plugs in a lot of holes from then there till now. So right at this moment, we're just focusing on Boba Fett. So here he is, episode one titled Chapter One, a Stranger in a Strange Land, directed by Robert Rodriguez, and I'm pretty sure he's a showrunner for the sequel, which is awesome, because Robert Rodriguez has a great track record for Star Wars. He directed a couple episodes of The Mandalorian. Very good guy. He does a lot of uh, spaghetti westerns. I don't say spaghetti westerns. He's a Mexican-American director, so he does a lot of those style, his Desperado style, kind of like translates into a lot of his acting films and like Once Upon a Time Mexico, all these films that he made in recent years definitely translate very well into the Star Wars, especially the Mandalorian world because it's technically space cowboys, so it all makes 
you know, they're gun-toting slingers out here, except it's laser beams, except it's bullets, you know, so future stuff, future tech. So we start the episode where Boba is in a healing chamber or a healing pod, dreaming about his past and how he almost died in the Sarlacc pit. So you see the scene where he escapes the Sarlacc pit and passes out after escaping. This scene was in the legacy books of Star Wars, I think comic books, but it was also parodied in uh, Parks and Recreations by Patton Oswalt, where he was in a scene in somewhere in the town's meeting of, uh, of Pawnee, Indiana, and he mentions how Boba Fett could have survived the Sarlacc pit. And it's it's a fun callback that they actually put it into there, which is like, yes, this is the way you start the series. You show that he did survive. In fact, he did survive the Sarlacc pit, but not with off abrasions and scars because he left that thing looking like he was in a car wreck, like he was a flaming body coming out of him. Like he was in there and, and he was getting digested, but wakes up mid-digestion, sees the stormtroopers melting in front of him, and, try, and he uses his flame floor to like rip through the Sarlacc so he can then crawl into the desert of Tatooine and just pass out. That's how the show starts. Like, that's pretty intense stuff. So we move on where the Jawas find him and they just steal his armor. They take his gear to take everything, knock him out. And of course the Jawas are just nothing but thugs, but they're not, they're not, uh, what's the looking for? They don't confront because they're not warriors, they're not fighters, but they're cunning. So they see he's already down. They take a gun and just smack, you know, hit him in the head, smack him over the head with it. And, uh, he passes out. So they take his shit and he, and they go back to their tank and then they leave. So we move on where Tusken Raiders find him barely alive and tie him up as a, as a, I guess, a, a, a prisoner. There we go. Um, and he escapes thanked through his own like cunning and and he's got some balls, man. This guy's like, there's somebody next to him. He's like, what are you doing? That that dog. It's not really a dog. It's like an alien dog that looks like a little raptor. I don't know what it is, but it's some sort of like beast with big with a big ass mouth. So he escapes and starts to fight this thing. And then he fights a tribe champion, and he sadly gets his ass whooped because this tribe champion knows how to fight. He's the leader of the warriors that the Tuscan Raiders are, and let's just say Boba Fett's a better shot than he is in throwing hands, so <laughs> he lost his battle right here. Uh, so then he is hit in the head and passed out, and he wakes up in his bath in, our, in real time because uh, it's a flashback. It's not actually happening. He's just recalling this memory, and, um, he, and he's woken up by his guard, Fennec, who was played by Ming-Na Wen. And she is obviously alive from Mandalorian, so she is an older life debt to Boba Fett at this point and wants to be his personal bodyguard. So he wakes up with a guard, and everyone's coming to pay tribute to Boba Fett, the new crime boss of Tatooine. Obviously, in the end of The Mandalorian, in an end credit scene, mid credit scene, whatever you want to call it, uh, Boba Fett and Fennec show up to where um, the now leader of the crime world was Bib Fortuna, who was the right-hand man to Jabba, is killed in the hands of Boba Fett, and Boba Fett is now the official leader because, just like the Game of Thrones, you kill the king, you are the king, so there we go. So now Bib Fortuna's out of the picture, Boba is now the new crime boss of Tatooine. Get used to it. So, after this happens, this is like everybody paying a homage to their new leader, like, okay, so we're gonna give you money and so that way you give us protection because he's a, he's a crime boss, you know, that's, he's, even though he's quote unquote kind of good, but somewhat lines more, uh, this is a world full of scoundrels. In Tatooine, there are no good people. Everyone there is primarily scum, except for a few farmers here and there. But in reality, the planet is very much 
crime heavy, a lot of shady politicians, the whole nine yards. So there we go, where everyone is coming to pay tribute to Boba Fett, the new crime leader. The mayor's clerk arrives and pays his respects, but he asks Boba Fett, he has the audacity to ask Boba Fett for a tribute for the mayor, because the mayor is usually the one extorting the people for protection and for obviously tax purposes and whatnot. So this is like a bold claim where Fennec's like, should I kill him? And Boba Fett's like, no, hear him out. So Boba Fett's having a meeting at the sanctuary with the madam after this episode. This is a quick moment where he's just like, nah, you tell the mayor that he owes me tribute, but you know what? I'll spell your life today so you can go tell him. So you go on to the sanctuary with the madam. It's kind of like this underground casino and they're there and then oh, welcome to open arms and they like, hey, please can we clean your helmets? And um, that's when they get showered with money or coins inside their helmets. And Fennec almost didn't give up her helmet, but he's like, hey, this is their customs. Let's let them shine their helmets for us. It doesn't cost us anything, and we're here to talk business. So, you know, just let them do this. And it paid him off because he got money. He got, he got protection money right away without even asking for it. So she knew what was up. She knew the deal, what they were there for, to be honest. So they're all there, and they're talking business, and um, he leaves, and he is soon attacked by a group of what I call ninjas, but they're the assassins there, who are some, like, covered in burgundy and black, looking like damn uh, Ermac from Mortal Kombat, I'm not even joking, with some laser shields that obviously hurt in some in some weapons there, and then Fennec Shand chases one of them down after Boba Fett's able to fight him off. Mind you, he spared the life of these two guards that used to work for, I believe, um, Bib Fortuna and, and saving their lives. Usually they were going to get tortured and killed, but they, in saving their lives, they owed Boba Fett gratitude and also want to work for them. These two pig-looking aliens, I don't know what their species are called, but they're the pig-looking aliens you see in the Star Wars world with the green skin. They're like these green orc-like, pig-like uh, aliens, and two of them are working with Boba Fett, and they're the muscle. Luckily, they were there because while Boba Fett and Fennec were, Shan were like surrounded by these crazy assassins that came from behind and took some of them down and were able to take them out. So Fennec Shan chases one, then narrowly escapes, and um, it, she puts one into the corner, and she, the one is, uh, well, I guess most of them are killed off. So, <laughs> so he's back in his pod healing after getting his ass well pretty much from this, uh, from this uh, surprise attack. And um, the smaller Tuscan Raider uh, picks him up in his dream he's back in the pod and he go, goes and has more memories the smaller of child child definitely child of the Tuscan Raiders picks him up and another inmate from a chain and they walk through a camp to start digging for water I guess it's digging for well water uh, the other guy digs out a sand monster this thing looks enormously disgusting this thing is like a uh, it's got four legs and two arms looking like Goro and a centaur head together like a, this is a big brolic monster mind you Boba Fett's out here with no armor no protection just naked in his like in underwear I guess you could say um, but luckily Boba Fett uses his chains to choke it out and kills a monster so the kid actually feels gratitude that this prisoner would fend for his life and like instead of like, trying to escape and they brought back to the village and the village elder wasn't like impressed you could say but he was thankful and then the village warrior there the one that beat his ass in the beginning of the episode he's like alright you were able to do this for our, uh, one of our townspeople. We're gonna show you how to fight our way so you can survive out here. And then you got the this moment where Boba Fett's like, okay, so I'm moving forward. I'm, my prison sentence is ending and now I'm becoming, I'm accepting becoming one of these folks, one of these Tuscan Raiders, and hopefully they can get me out of here slowly. But until then, this is uh, the end of the episode and where we leave off. Leave off.
Um, this episode was strong. It was very much a very well-written episode. Uh, entertaining as hell. I mean, come on. I've been waiting for this series since it was announced. Mandalorian, of course. I'm waiting for the sequel of that. But I'm glad this came out first because we got to dig into Boba Fett. This character was definitely one of the first action figures of Star Wars I ever owned. I had this one and I had... Uh, um, uh, Lando Calrissian were the first ever two action figures from Star Wars I ever bought before I bought the Jedi of like Luke and Han or any, any of those Stormtroopers none of those characters caught my attention like Boba Fett and Lando so those two are the ones and it wasn't even regular Lando it was Lando in the skies where he's wearing that cool helmet and he's like somewhere in um, I guess you could say in Jabba's palace so there is something to say that Boba Fett's character is redeemed in here because he was just written off as dead he didn't really have anywhere to be in existence of sequels uh, at all. He pretty much would have been, I mean, I guess he would be pretty old at that point. He'd be a really old, aging old man. So this would have had to happen prior to the sequel saga, which is great because, again, we have a new window of time between uh, when the end of the, of the Empire and the Rise of the Republic, and obviously we know where that goes. So... We have this narrative here we can work with where these characters are getting their own shows on Disney Plus, and I'm loving it because they're all getting their own shine on them focusing on their what they're doing at the same time. Something we happen with uh, Jindarin over here, or like you can who knows what's happening with uh, Obi Wan Kenobi's character who's living on the same planet, but obviously it's a big planet, it's a big desert, so he could be doing something completely different, or maybe they actually we actually see Obi Wan in this episode in this series in one of these episodes. Maybe he actually pops in towards the end or end credit scene thus giving us a spinoff of the Obi-Wan series we've been so like foaming at the mouth waiting for when he finally takes down Darth Maul and he is the then modern day of the original movies where he's an elder so I don't know how much he's going to age up Ewan McGregor or maybe they're going to stick within his window where he's still active and he still can fight so that way they can make it more action packed and probably the end of the series once they finish that show they'll probably get to that point where he's just somewhere in the caves just chilling so that being said um I'm excited to see where they're going to do all these shows and then this episode the first episode was pretty solid uh, I'm going to give it a four out of five stars because it definitely hit all the notes I wanted to hit. It definitely let us know what happened to certain characters, where they're going from this point, who is working for who, and how the people of the city don't really take Boba Fett that serious. They expect him to be dead within a week because Jabba was such a stronghold. His, the Hutt clan, like they're like a huge mob family in the galaxy. They figured someone like of them of that caliber is going to take over. Uh, now that Bit Fortune is dead because they're like, okay, well, if we have no more heirs, because I believe Jabba's son is still alive, maybe he is, because I remember seeing Jabba's kids, or kid in um, Clone Wars, or was it Rebels? I forget. Uh, so maybe he's coming back to claim his throne now that he knows that Bit Fortuna's dead. Maybe Bit Fortuna was just there holding it as a placeholder until Jabba's, who knows if he has other kids as well, you know, royalty, they tend to have multiple concubines and whatnot, so we don't know what's going on, but definitely then open the door for so much to happen and I'm glad I'm in the one signed up on to be in this series because it definitely is a familiar face and she's such an awesome character actress like she definitely knows how to play this stoic warrior like she does it in Avengers she does it in, uh, in a lot of her films and it's nice to see this character not just being a one-off a villain that got killed almost got killed but she was brought back because the fans really liked her or maybe because it's all planned all the time it's like we make you think the character's dead and then we bring him back to life into the fold so so with that being said um we're gonna take a small pause obviously commercial break 
and I'll be right back to review the second episode of the Book of Boba Fett. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. commercial break thank y'all for staying tuned there uh we're gonna keep reviewing the book of boba fett episode two chapter two titled the tribes of tatooine directed by steph green and we start off where fennec brings back the lone survivor of the order of the night wind so we now have a name with this these uh, ninjas here uh their legendary reputation precedes them as these like cold-hearted assassins that will never give up and pretty much yeah they're like they're not gonna talk so we move on here where the mayor sent them. We find out the mayor was the one who was behind us because Boba didn't want to pay tribute to him. And this is one way they were going to get rid of him, which is, wow, like that. Okay. They don't know what Boba is. They definitely don't <laughs> underestimate what he can do. So in knowing this information, they head to City, ha- City Hall. Like, you're just straight up walking there to return the assassins or straight to the mayor. So he thanks Boba Fett for bringing the assassin in. They're working in the wrong jurisdiction, and one of the mayor's guards shoots and kills the assassin on sight. Like, blah, just blasts him. So we move on here where pretty much this sequence where the mayor acts dumb, like he didn't do anything. Like, what are you talking about? I never would have done this. But if you feel some sort of way, um, here's your reward either way for returning the assassin. Almost like he was a bounty hunter. Like, Boba Fett's like, I'm no longer a bounty hunter. He's like, you're known for this, and you return a bounty, so... You brought back a wanted criminal. Thanks for your help. Pretty much like, hey, I gave you your tribute. Go on, get out of my office. And he's like, all right, whatever. I'll talk to you later. So the twins have returned to Tatooine. The twins are apparently either sons and daughter. It's like a female male um, hut. I don't know what their species are called, but their last name is Hut. Oh, surname is Hut. So the twins have returned to Tatooine with their drums and giant crowds. People hold them over like, like their royalty. Like literally a bunch of people just holding these giant, just like the old Caesar and the Romans and all of those old uh, monarchies used to be held up in high regard. They're walking and paraded through the crowds and they're there sitting on their thrones. By decree, they run the land that Boba claimed, and he doesn't give a damn, not a sight, doesn't give one damn about it. And the huts threaten him with their gladiator, who's this giant, tall, black Wookiee. He looks intimidating, got a bowcaster and an arm, fully armored, and he tries to intimidate Boba Fett, but Boba Fett has been through everything. This man survived the Sarlacc pit. He is not scared of anybody, okay? He's fought in Jedi like this guy's been through the ringer they don't they really underestimate what he is capable of and what he's been through so so they hold back the no need for bloodshed the male uh hut says the, the female hut the, the sister is a little bit more impatient and wants him dead on sight and boba fett comments like you should listen to your sister because now you're going to regret it when, when i take you guys down and Again, they'll leave the fighting for later. This is just an intimidation tactic to say, hey, give up Jabba's palace. You know it's ours. You think you run shit to walk in there and took it as yours? Like, no, that's not how it works. We have laws and bylaws here. But he goes back to a station spot in Jabba's palace and dreams back and sees flashbacks uh, how he helped the Tusken Raiders get trained to fight and how he trained with them to also use their weapons. So it was like a little bit of give and take there where he taught them some stuff and they taught him. So... 
they fend off a train that's shooting at them. Sadly, some casualties occur. This train has people just shooting sniper rifles, I guess you could say, or like just blast rifles. So the sand people, Tuscan Raiders, who are in, who are just defending themselves, but at the same time, they're kind of there, like, there's a train route, and the train passes, and they're, why they're there to begin with, if, you know what I mean? Like, they don't want them there. It's, it's a clash of uh, politics, I guess. The Tatooine is a world that is claimed by those who run it. I believe the Tuscan Raiders, they live in the sand. They are the natives of the land. They, they're they like all these off-rollers bringing all this tech and all this crazy machinery. End of the day, it's still our land. We're going to fend for it, even if it costs our lives and, you know, more power to them. So we're seeing them humanize Tuscan Raiders. But of course, just like any war, you're always the hero on your side of the battle because you're just people living to survive no matter what angle you look for. It's not just politics. It's also, hey, you're not seeing it from our side. So I understand where they feel like they are getting essentially gentrified in their own planet, taken over by stronger, uh, higher advanced civilizations who they are still using the old ways of, I mean, they're using rifles for sure, just like the enemies, but the training they have is not military grade. It's definitely not, you know, marksmanship. They're just common folk with rifles, pretty much just living a nomadic life, just out there surviving in the middle of the desert. So that's a whole different lifestyle versus these people who are lavishly riding trains back and forth across the planet to get from one anchorage bay to another, doing their business. But again, it's neither here nor there. You just see what they're dealing with and Boba's on their side to help them out. So Boba will then take the train by morning. He guarantees the tribe's people. So he then goes to one of the cantinas, he kicks ass, he just breaks the brakes off everybody and steals some speed bikes. He ties a couple of speed bikes behind the one he just took. And there was a couple there who were just like, hey, maybe you guys should lay off and they're gonna get attacked. But luckily Boba Fett showed up, not in armor, by the way. So this man went in there butt-ass naked in his lawn johns and he just started whooping everyone's ass, taking their shit and just bouncing. So, and he also gets a, you know, a quick sip for the, for the bartender, which is a funny moment because the bartender acts like it's normal. Like people fight and shoot each other here all the time and just, you know, wipes off the glass from the countertop, whatever. So he goes back to his, this is, uh, he just do the tribe people, the camp, I guess you could say. And he shows them, he trains them how to ride the bikes, these uh, speeders. And it's a funny sequence of them learning how to do it, a, a montage, you know, similar to that of Rocky, and how to, uh, to essentially hijack a train. So once they're ready, they uh, go to the train and they man positions, I guess you can say. They're just ready for it to take over. They're sick of getting run over. They want to fight, they want to fend off. and take down these people that are literally crossing their lands like they're just surviving they're trying to just be out here surviving these people are just crossing into their territory without permission or toll just going through the because they don't have any care for them or even like respect for them because they're let's just quote unquote living like among savages whatnot so they take the train uh they stop the train successfully after this epic fight where they just like get on the bikes and just hop on it with uh, grappling hooks and they shoot the guards from the windows uh, then you have the guys in the outpost shooting since they're busy trying to fend off the testing raiders they're near to board the train they're they're like oh my god what's you know they're getting caught off guard and shot and then you know you see a moment where the lead warrior the one that trained boba fett showed him how to use their weapons he essentially is there and enters the train into the cabin and starts whooping all their guards ass tossing them out through the windows one by one and some of them are even seeing that he's like taking them down from the rooftops like the, the hatches in the roof of the train 
bring them down one by one and kick their asses. And they stopped the train successfully. After it almost exploded, Bill had to go to the front of the where the conductor's cabin is. The robot just jumps the window and he just pulls it with his staff. He pulls the brake back slowly and it finally stops pulse. So Boba Fett spares their lives, gives them a black melon to each to drink its milk for sustenance until they reach nightfall at anchor point. Uh, and they're like, we can't survive out water. He's like, guess what? You're going to survive off this one black melon a day, just like these people have for many years. You'll be fine. You'll get to anchor point by nightfall if you walk right now at this point. Just go that direction. So the chief rewards them. After helping them stop the train, the train has a lot of water on it, by the way, too. So Tuscan open it up. It's just flowing water, and they're like getting their jugs and buckets and filling them up, and they're happy because like they have actual fresh water for the first time in God knows how long, probably years, because they've been living out in the middle of nowhere, just surviving off whatever they can get. So the chief of the village of the raiders uh, rewards him with a gift. He puts a lizard. And he's like, oh, little lizard, I like little lizards. And it goes up the guy's nose. And then he just goes on this, like, crazy journey through the woods where he is essentially high off the lizard, controlling his brain. And the lizard takes him on a spiritual journey. And he has this thing where he sees a tree. And he he recalls where the starlight almost killed him. The trees are wrapping around him. But I guess he grabs a branch. And then when he gets back to the to the to the camp from a nightfall, the lizard is taken back by the chief and this and he's brought back to his senses and he brings he, he didn't notice he brought back a big old rent, uh, branch. So they robe him in their fine clothes. You get a sequence where he does this, and now they make him his own, like he's one of them officially. And with that branch, they actually carve and I guess shape and even weld metals on to show him uh, that he made staff that they use like he made the weapons that they have and now he's officially one of them and that's where you see where he gets that staff that he had in Mandalorian back then where he's fighting off Jindar and he got it because he was part of the Tusken Raiders leveled among them and helped them you know flourish and hopefully develop and now that they have all this supplies from the train of course now that Boba's like we're expecting toll every time you pass by here because the intimidation worked and these these people, the Tusken Raiders now know how to take down these guys. They're like, hey, if you're going to come on our roots, you're definitely going to pay us so we can survive. And who knows if down the line, Tusken Raiders are no longer raiding and they're now living among modern society. But we'll have to wait and see where this story leads to us. Or maybe it's a one-off story that I'm thinking way too heavy about. But this episode was so much fun. I, I give this episode a good 4.5 stars out of 5. It was really well written, well done, and definitely showed the human side of the Tuscan Raiders. Gave them a sense of, you know, they're pretty much native people of this land who have been abused and resources have been taken from them who are out there just trying to survive, finding melons, and then they have to fight monsters and God forbid what else is out there to survive. It's a rough life to live, and I completely get it. They're out there just trying to survive and doing whatever is possible to survive, even if it's stealing from people and taking people as prisoner. It's how they can... They don't have giant buildings. They don't have these lavish facilities. They're just living off the land like their families have for generations. So what a great two episodes of Boba Fett to spin. I don't know how many chapters there were. I think there's about six episodes total. Don't call me on that. I know it's shorter than your typical Mandalorian season. So either way, every episode counts. New director on every episode. Uh, definitely great writing on these show. the show. It feels like a movie just cut up into parts. It really makes you feel 
Like this could have been done as a film in theaters. I'm gonna still, I would have gone to see it, but I'm glad it had the TV format to really flesh out certain scenes and show you aspects that would have been missed out in condensing this. So there's something to say about making, even if it's short series, making a series versus a long film because you want certain things to drag and you want things to breathe. And I like that they gave this episode a lot of room to breathe, almost 50 minutes, and we're able to let the Susquehannaers essentially show you how they live and how they get through life and all this stuff. And definitely you know good on the writers for making them feel like people no longer just monsters and masks like even though we don't see their faces because they're obviously covering themselves from the sand they are just like everybody else just trying to get by and Boba Fett's like hey I'll do whatever I can to help you guys out just so I can get back to my life and I'll definitely help you guys learn to use and this modern technology so you can actually assimilate a little bit to the modern world and keep up to date on certain things and get around it faster so you're not just relying on Bantha which are obviously are these giant like woolly camel things that they have but now with these speeders they can get through certain places faster and get things done quicker and go about their business a little faster and, and progress so with that being said this has been a great first two episodes of the book of Boba Fett I'm really enjoying it uh, let's see where it goes from here. I mean, it's very entertaining. It definitely is very well thought out, and I'm glad it's not just a thrown-together series. Like, we actually are getting a fleshed-out story for sure. We're invested in characters, and we're seeing a bunch of new characters and bringing back a bunch of old characters. It's nice to see where it, like, is a generational series because the fans of the original series might be very interested in this, and new fans alike of the current shows can watch and like, oh, more of this type of series. Yeah, why not? Disney Plus needs more of this adult-themed... I mean, it's not just adult-themed. It's obviously kids can watch this, but it seems more mature. Then most of the series you see on Disney Plus and definitely has elements of the West, this Wild West gunslinger character who's not just out there, you know, shooting killing for no reason, but he's trying to find diplomacy in a world of shady politics and backhanded deals. Like, essentially... Book of Boba Fett takes a lot from the Game of Thrones series as well as other series where everyone's fighting for the throne of the crime lord, but he's just trying to find order in an orderless world. So let's see how things pan out. But thank you all. It's been a great review here from CGR Media Reviews. I am one Mike for Hire podcast mercenary, Puerto Rican powerhouse, the Puerto Rican Kaiju himself, Christian Joel Ramos, signing off to the next time. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank y'all for still tuning to my show all this time, and I appreciate everyone that's new that's listening. I hope you enjoy the show. Until next time, take care, stay safe out there, and enjoy more series with us here at CGR Media Reviews. I'm out. Peace.